Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, this is your word. We pray that you would help us to hear your voice as you speak to us, even through the words of this weak and sinful instrument that you have appointed for this purpose. Would your spirit be among us? Would you speak truth to us? Would you encourage us and equip us? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In April of 1910, President Teddy Roosevelt gave a speech called Citizenship in a Republic, the most famous passage of which went like this. He said, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out where the strong man stumbles or how the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, the man who, whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short and again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who actually strives to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows at the end the triumph of high achievement, and at the worst, if he fails, he fails daring greatly, so that his place will never be among those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. And beloved, in a very real sense, by God's grace, we are all the man in the arena. God's word makes clear that the life of faith in Jesus Christ is like running a race, an athletic contest. With all that that contest involves, we must prepare, we must compete, and we must strive to the end. It is a contest where we race in an arena surrounded by a cloud of witnesses who have come before us. And we run headed towards our goal, where our champion awaits for us in our eternal home. The book of Hebrews, I hope you remember, is focused on this concept of enduring in our faith, persevering in our faith in Jesus Christ. And we saw an earlier metaphor in the book of Hebrews, this metaphor of wandering in the wilderness, uh, like the saints of the Old Testament, where the Lord Jesus Christ, as our pioneer and our champion, is shepherding us to the heavenly realms 
and where he has already gone on our behalf. And here we see this new metaphor, that of a long-distance endurance race, a race that we must endure in to the end. And if there is a simple summary of our passage this morning, it is simply this. We must run with endurance looking to Jesus. We must run with endurance with our eyes fixed on Jesus. So our this race requires, God's word teaches us how to run this race well. Um, our passage gives us uh, hindrances that hold us back from being able to run well and also help in our race. And we'll look at those in turn, but first it's important for us to look at the race itself. What is this race that our author exhorts us to run with endurance? And that, that race is quite simply this. It is a life, it is the life of faith in Jesus Christ, faithful obedience in Jesus Christ. It is persevering, enduring, holding fast to that confession in Jesus Christ and living in accordance with that confession which we have professed. There's a, a few important things that our text shows us about that race that are that we need to take a look at. The first is, it is the race that is set before us, it says. Our entry into this race was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Our race bib has been attached to us by the Holy Spirit through faith. The Almighty God himself has designed this course for us. And we don't know what perils or what joys lie on the race. The, the life of faith has twists and turns which obscure our view as we head to the goal. At times the terrain is rough and we are our, our footing is threatened. At other times it is solid and secure. And sometimes we face the storms and the oppressive heat as we pass through the valley of the shadow of death. And at other times we feel the cool breezes and the shade of green pastures. It's also an endurance race. We must run with endurance. It's a long-distance race. The, the Greek word for race here is agona, from which we get our word agony or agonize. It is a difficult race. We need to expect difficulty. It is agonizing. We must uh, pursue it with the understanding that it requires our endurance. A race of such, of, of a type requires us to be training and disciplined throughout our entire life in spirit and in body and in mind. We must be spiritually fed in order to be able to endure with strength in this race. Even bodily, we must care for our physical bodies. Even in the life of faith, Physical training is of some value. We serve in the body. We worship in the body. We must care for our bodies. And we must be disciplined with our minds. We must set our minds on the fact that this is a race that never ends until we reach our goal. We pursue a step after step and day after day. We never quit. We don't stop. We persevere towards the goal with 
endurance. It's a relay race as well. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And those witnesses are all those faithful saints that were listed in Hebrews chapter 11. They have run their leg of the race, and that faith in this unbroken chain of faithfulness has been passed down from generation to generation to us, and the baton of faith has been handed to us. This is now our t- turn to run the race with faithfulness. We should, we should see these Witnesses surrounding us, encouraging us with their example, cheering us on as we press on towards the goal. And it's a, as such as a well-run race with a well-marked path. Beloved, the, the challenges that we face have been met before by the saints of old. There is nothing new under the sun Our challenges are not unique. The temptations you and I face are common to man. And God's word tells us, shows us how we can endure in the midst of these challenges and temptations so that we can endure to the end. And in fact, in this passage, we see two such uh, means, looking at the hindrances and the helps. First, we uh, he talks about the hindrances to the run. He says, he points out two things. Verse 1, let us also lay aside every weight. The first he talks about is laying aside every weight. Runners in this day, before they ran the race, would strip off all their clothes so that they would run without any hindrance, no additional weight to keep them from running with endurance and speed. And even runners today will wear the best clothes in order to be able to run as far as they can with as much endurance and as much speed. These weights, the things in our lives that are not necessarily wrong or bad in and of themselves, but things that hinder us from running with endurance, things that can weigh us down, things that can make us weary. For us, beloved, and you'll hear about this in our presentation after worship. Our precious commodity right now is time. We all have the same amount of time, 24-7, 365, and yet our world is filled with ways to spend it. Do you use the time that the Lord has given you for his glory and your benefit and for the sake of the kingdom, or are there things in your life that are weights that need to be removed so that you can run with endurance, things that are weighing you down? Things such as an overuse of entertainment, social media, kids' video games, or even an overuse of news media. These things are not wrong in and of themselves. It's in a, some, it, there's a, a need for them at times. And yet, do we overuse them? Do, do those become our crutches? Uh, even an unbalanced view or an unbalance of work or sports or even family life 
Those things can crowd out our opportunity to run with endurance, to serve for the sake of the kingdom, and to grow in grace. And so ask yourself, what are the weights in your life that need to be laid aside? What is hindering you from effectively serving and growing in grace? And this, this, is, this is hard stuff. This is, this is very much like what Jesus said in John chapter 15, where he said, we are, he is the vine, we are the branches, and the Lord prunes that we would bear much fruit. Pruning is hard because it cuts off things that are valuable. What things do you need to prune from your life so that you can run with endurance? Well, the weights are one thing. Weights are the things that will slow us down, wear us out. The other thing he talks about is um, the, the sin which clings so closely the, the weights slow us down. The sin actually threatens to entangle our feet and cause us to trip and fall. Sin is dangerous, beloved. Jesus said it's so important for us to deal with our sin that he said that if our right eye causes us to sin, we should pluck it out. If our right hand causes us to sin, we should cut it off. These things that are so dear to us that it's better to cut those things off and to be maimed in life than to be plunged into hell. Sin threatens to cause us to fail to meet race to the end. We have to do that due diligence. And it's, he, notice how he describes sin. He said the sin which clings so closely. Isn't it true that we cling closely to our sin far too often? As though it's something dear to us, some, some part of our identity. But the truth is, beloved, that Jesus Christ came to cut the cords of the sin that entangles us. He, he came to break the power of sin so that we could lay it aside and we could run with freedom. We need to be diligent in identifying those sins and laying them aside so that we don't miss out on our promised rest. So you might ask, well, how, how exactly do we do that? How do we lay aside the sin which clings so closely? Well, it begins by listening intently to God's word. God speaks. We have to listen to it. And secondly, we submit ourselves to it. We need to recognize that we, we need to not argue about it. We need to Understand that this sin offends the God of all grace and mercy who loves us, our creator. He who knows what's right for us, what's best for us, and not argue with it, but submit ourselves to it. We need to confess that sin, own it as our own, and confess it as something that is offensive to God. And then we receive the forgiveness that he is extended to us in Jesus Christ. And having received that forgiveness, we then put on the righteousness that he calls us to. We put aside and repent and confess, and then we put on righteousness, and we run in the righteousness that has been given to us. And beloved, these are things that you and I do 
He says, he says, let us lay aside these things. And of course, we cannot do these things on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to break the power of sin in our lives. But beloved, that is what we have. Through the, Jesus' death on the cross, he has broken the power of sin, and by his Spirit, he applies that to you and me. And that's what Romans chapter 8 says. He says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. You will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Beloved, we have, been, we have received the Spirit. We must lay aside those sins and run with endurance. So we have those hindrances, but we also have helps. And it's quite simply this. It says, run the race, verse 2, looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. That is the help that has been given to us. And we look to him as we look to see his victory. We look to see his endurance in the midst of his race. And we look to his love for us. We, we look to him as our victor. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. That, that word, first word, founder, we've seen that before in the book of Hebrews. That's the Greek word, archegos. Hopefully you remember I pointed that out before. It means champion or pioneer. Um, he, is the, he is the one who blazed the trail into, to glory the pioneer who pioneered through the wilderness into the promised land, but he was also the champion. He was victorious in reaching that promised goal. So he is the champion and the founder. He is the beginner of our faith, but he's also the perfecter of our faith. And perfection is a key topic in the book of Hebrews. It, it, re, it refers to um, a completion or a maturity or a finalized end. He is the one who, who is bringing our faith to a completion. He's bringing his victory to completion. And so what he's saying is that Jesus is the beginning and the end of our faith. He is the one who has accomplished salvation and he has completed it definitively, and yet he is the one who is bringing it to pass and completing it ultimately through the salvation of you and me. He is the victor who is working out his victory by bringing us to glory. We look to him to have that hope, seeing that it's been accomplished and he will certainly do it. Secondly, we look to him as our example says, looking to Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The reality is, beloved, that Jesus was the true man in the arena. Who for the joy set before him? He had the glories of heaven as the second member of the triune God with angels worshiping him. That joy was before him. He chose to come and take on human flesh to endure suffering for us. And even when he came, he, as the Son of God, could have achieved his grasp for his glory apart from the cross. It was his to take. And yet, 
for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He willingly chose to race to the cross as a sacrifice for you and for me. And he did so, it says, despising the shame, despising the shame. Roman crucifixion was designed to be the most shaming, humiliating, degrading uh, punishment that human authority could muster. The Romans considered a a crucified person condemned to the penalty of a beast. And Jesus willingly endured that. He willingly chose to be spit upon and stripped and beaten and mocked and publicly shamed and humiliated. And, but he despised the shame, it says. He despised the shame. He shamed the shame. He, he did these things by faith, recognizing that this human shame of the cross was based on a faulty opinion in ignorance of what the cross was going to bring about. Those human authorities sought to bring shame to the Lord Jesus Christ, but it was through the cross that Christ brought ultimate glory to the Almighty God. It was through the cross that the Lord Jesus Christ, Hebrews said, was made perfect forever. It was through the cross that the power of sin was broken. It was through the cross that Christ was rewarded with an indestructible life. It was through the cross and his faithfulness unto death that the, that the Almighty God has given to him the crown of life and has seated him at God's right hand above all authority. And it was through the cross that God is glorified to give salvation to you and to me. Jesus took this on, despising the shame, because by faith he knew that this would bring about ultimate glory. And so he did this, but he's also our example as we run the race, because it helps us to understand that our ultimate victory will proceed through the agony of suffering, just as Christ's victory was through the agony of suffering. It teaches us that when we experience the shame of being united to Christ, the human shame, as Jesus said, blessed are those when they revile you or utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. We can despise the shame. We can despise the the trials. We, like Jesus, can recognize that our trials and sufferings are light and momentary compared to the eternal weight of glory that is ours in Christ Jesus. And we can look to Jesus and we can know that since he was victorious through the cross, that we will be victorious through our suffering, that our victory is secure in Jesus Christ. So we we look to him as our victor. We look to him as our example. 
But finally, beloved, we look to him for his love for us. Because Jesus, this, this joy that was set before him, he endured these things for the joy that was set before them. That, that was for you and for me, beloved. That was, Jesus came to bring many sons to glory. He came to give the right to become children of God. He came to give his spirit of sonship that we might cry out, Abba, Father, that we might be lavished with every spiritual blessing. That was his joy. That was his love for you and for me. He endured these things for us. And he has given us his spirit to encourage us and to empower us to be able to persevere to the end so that we can finish the race. He came to bring many sons to glory. And beloved, he will certainly bring many sons to glory. He will accomplish what he came to do. And beloved, we can only endure, we can only do this as we look to Jesus. We cannot do this by on ourselves. We need the power of the Spirit to enable us to endure. We are weak. We are insufficient. We will never reach the end of this race apart from the power of Jesus Christ in his Spirit. And beloved, if you do not know Jesus Christ by faith. That's how we receive Christ. It is by faith, trusting in what he has done on the cross, trusting in God's resurrection of Jesus from the dead, that God counts those as ours. If you don't know Jesus Christ, then what God's word says is that you have no hope apart from Christ. You will surely stumble and fall. You will fail to reach the end of the race. But beloved, God is gracious. And he says, come to Jesus. He says, I will never turn away anyone who comes. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Turn to him. He desires to save you. And he will carry you across the finish line if he needs to. His love is for you. Turn and look to Jesus. But if you do know Jesus, even still, we need to to be diligent to look to Jesus and not to our own strength. We lack the strength, we lack the energy, and honestly, sometimes we lack the desire to keep going. We grow weary. The things in our lives weigh us down. We grow weary and we want to stop. But beloved, it is through Jesus Christ and looking to him that our God gives us the strength to continue and to endure to the end. I mean, we read part of it from Isaiah chapter 40. But hear what our God says. He says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. And beloved, does that describe you? Are you weary? Are you faint? 
Look to Jesus. God will renew your strength. He promises to do that very thing. Look to Jesus and run with endurance. But we have to look to Jesus and not look to our sins and our failures. It is easy to look at ourselves and say, I am a mess. I am too bad of a sinner. There is no way that I will make it to glory. And our God says, look to Jesus. Look to what he has done on the cross. He has paid the penalty for your sin. He has broken the power of sin. You are forgiven in Jesus Christ. God does not count it against you. And he looses the chains so that you can run with endurance. I mean, we can look to those saints in Hebrews chapter 11, those, that cloud of witnesses. They, they set a good example for us. But what is the example that they set? They point to Jesus. And they say, don't look at us. We were looking to Jesus. Their hope, their endurance was based upon the hope that was coming. As it says at the end of chapter 11, they, God promised something better so that apart from us, they would not receive something different. They were looking to what we have now received, which is Jesus. God has placed Jesus Before our eyes, he has resurrected him from the dead and he has said, this is my love for you. This is my endurance for you. Look to this and run. And beloved, we have received that hope. So let us look to Jesus. So who is is the real man in the arena? We are, beloved, we are, The Lord has put us into the race. We are running the race. We are fighting the fight. We must keep the faith. We are the ones whose faces are marred with dust and sweat and blood. We are the ones who are striving valiantly to reach our promised hope in Jesus Christ. But we're not alone, are we? Because we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Those brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers in the faith that came from generations before that have run the race with endurance, who have reached the promised goal, who are setting an example for us in God's word and are cheering us on as we run our race. But even for them, beloved, The race was never really theirs, was it? Because the true man in the arena is the Lord Jesus Christ, who for the joy set before him endured the cross out of love for you and for me. His face was marred with dust and bloody sweat and vicious blows as he despised the shame on the way to glory. And he didn't just strive valiantly. He was victorious for you and for me. That's what God puts before us as our hope. Beloved, our champion draws us, draws you and me to his finish line. He is our strength 
He is our the wind beneath our wings. He is the strength in our legs to run with joy. Run with endurance, beloved. Do not grow weary. Do not grow weary, but look to Jesus. He will sustain you and me to the end that he has set before us in glory, even his presence and his joy and his eternal rest. Run to him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you remind us to not grow weary. Thank thank you that you sustain us and you enable us to run to you. Thank you that you are such a good father that you have sent your only son to draw us to yourself. Father, help us to take our eyes off ourselves and to look to Jesus and help us to run and not be faint. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.